around the world. Scientists and entrepreneurs are integrating abundant renewable energy to invent a better future that is healthier and more affordable. That's all good news for the planet. This is Entrepreneurial Journeys, a podcast about entrepreneurs providing solutions to social and environmental challenges across the world. My name is Emma Kloppert, and over the next episodes, I'm going to take you on a global tour to meet these impact entrepreneurs from the cities of Central Africa to the coasts of Europe. How have their companies been built? Which problems are they trying to solve? And what are the honest personal stories behind them. In this episode, my guest is Bert van Zon, founder and CEO of Mud Jeans. And I promise you that after this podcast, you will never look at your jeans the same again. We had an eye-opening conversation about personal confessions, how good business attracts good people, and the unknown sides of one of the most polluting industries of our time, fast fashion. As we consume more and more, prices get cheaper and cheaper. But somewhere, people and the environment are paying the price. With Mud Jeans, Bert and his team are pioneering the first business model for circular jeans. And the bar is set high. We've been putting a dot on the horizon saying one day we'll make a pair of jeans out of 100% old jeans, post-consumer waste again which is a miracle. And then Amsterdam would become our cotton supplier instead of all these fields and then wrongly grown cotton. But before we talk with Bert about building your own brand of jeans, let's lay out the bigger picture of the fashion industry first. And our expert this episode is... I'm Nas Kavan and I'm the founder of 2050 Factory and I'm based in Amsterdam. Being a social entrepreneur herself, Naz has a circular textile factory focused on inclusivity and transparency in the supply chain. In 2020, she won the Tommy Hilfiger Award for most innovative and inclusive business within the fashion industry. And I ask her a big question first. What is so wrong with the fashion industry of today? I think um, the biggest problem at this moment is uh, the way we consume fashion. So we see clothing as disposable products, whereby we are uh, buying clothes on like the biggest volumes ever. Uh, so the impact of the fast fashion industry is at this moment uh, the biggest problem within the fashion industry. And it's both the fault of the consumers in the way we are buying clothing, but it's also a fault of the brands who are producing micro collections uh, on a volume of 52 collections on a year base right now, um, which causes a lot of uh, pollution, but um, also an impact on the people who are making the clothes. If there is one thing you would want people to know about the fashion industry, what would it be? I would say that we uh, lost track of the human aspect within uh, the fashion industry uh, because there is an ugly truth behind fashion uh, whereby we are not paying the true price for products. I think that's the most important thing I want to yeah, tell people that 
the price you are paying now for your t-shirt or for your dress, somebody else is paying the price for it at the other side of the world. So um, I hope, I really hope that also um, that we learned lessons from out the pandemic uh, when a lot of stores were closed, uh, where millions of textile workers were uh, not paid for their jobs and also the factories, uh, which really uh, showed the, the ugly side of fashion where uh, there's no accountability from the side of the big players in the fashion industry. Um, so I would really say let's pay attention to the people who are actually making our clothes. So which steps in the right direction are we already seeing? The good steps in the right direction uh, we are already seeing is that uh, luckily we are uh, buying more and more vintage clothing and secondhand clothing. But at the other side, uh, what you see is also that there are more entrepreneurs which are using their creativity and innovation to really make a change, to shape a more inclusive and uh, circular fashion landscape. One of the entrepreneurs that is definitely making a change is Bert van Zon. Born in Canada and raised in the Netherlands, he takes me back to a childhood in which he moved a lot sparking curiosity and an adventurous mind. After being at the heart of the fast fashion industry for over 30 years, first as CEO and later as an entrepreneur, he slowly started realizing that this fashionable world needs to change. So in 2012, he founded Mud Jeans, the first circular jeans company, paying attention to people and the environment. And once again, it becomes clear that an inspiring and honest story gains traction. Currently selling their jeans in over 30 countries, having partnerships with IKEA, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, and being named the most sustainable retailer of the Netherlands in 2021. But how do you start and build your own brand? Well, from experience and a little bit of luck. I was lucky, I started an own company in 2004 and I was lucky enough to sell that in 2008, three months before the crisis. Mm -hmm. So people think I'm a very intelligent guy, but it was pure luck. <laughs> and uh, they also paid me a year's salary, so I could sell to myself that I had to take a year off, which I did. It became four years, and in that time you start thinking and, and slowly you go like, okay, what, what, what did I do so far and what, I'm, what am I going to do? I, I can also play golf for the rest of my life, but yeah. that wasn't really interesting. So slowly uh, I, I sense that, you know, I still have some money in front of me. I have the experience. I have a huge uh, network. What can I do? What can I change? And, and then the idea came up, okay, let's start with the biggest item, the jeans. Everybody has jeans. Yeah. You're, you're even wearing jeans even today. Even I'm wearing <laughs> jeans today. And, uh, and it's the, uh, also the most polluting item. Yeah. So if, if I, I was, would be able to, to start there as a starting point, I, I thought that's, that's maybe an idea. So that's when I started Mud Jeans in 2012. 2012. So I, yeah. of course, want to know all about Mud Jeans very mm -hmm. soon. But I'm quite interested in those four years, yeah. um, because it's you start talking about the first steps in your thoughts toward a different industry. But it must have also entailed a personal transformation. I'm guessing in those four years. Yeah. Well, did your did your values change or your your way of thinking? 
it's more that you take a rest and and um, you know to give you an example i remember myself as a child in 1972 when the the energy the oil crisis came and I was thinking about, oh, maybe cars cannot drive anymore. Yeah, there was a total different perspective at that time. We, we never thought about CO2 emission or polluting things. It was just not on the mindset, at least not in my world, let's say. And, um, and of course, today it's a hot topic. And 10 years ago, it was sort of a hot topic. So slowly you get to imagine that, uh, you know, I have to look further than only making profit and money and, and those kind of things, which I was really brought up with. You know, our economy lessons were growth, making money uh, at all costs nearly. Yeah. And that's so coming back, so it was a personal transformation as well. Yeah. Um, it's also because you can take a rest. You can inform yourself better. You're not running every day after stupid things. It gives you time when you take a year off yeah. or more. And then, <laughs> or four years. <laughs> yeah. um, so realizing that shift in yourself, um, do you something sometimes wonder, like you, you probably were on a kind of high-speed train all the years before. Yes. Do you sometimes think, what would have happened if I would have taken that step back earlier? Oh, yeah. Definitely would, would have helped me get my thoughts straight and uh, change my behavior, yeah. For sure. I was just a running idiot. And and going to go faster, trying to get faster every day, and you know that's the the speed of life was was like that. I think. Yeah. That's a confession. <laughs> a confession. So yeah. the speed of life was like that. Um, yeah. But people know knew the Bert uh, within that speed of life. How did your environment respond? How did your family respond when you said we're going to go uh, in two different direction? Uh, well, my ex-wife said you're working too hard and. This is not the way to go forward. So we divorced. And oh. it also has to do with, with uh, you know, I was making a huge career. I was in, in I was, ex, uh, I'd say, responsible for four offices at that time in this company. Started uh, Monday morning in Holland, then drove to the German office and then later to the French office and also had, had Hong Kong uh, business to do. So you think you're very important and um, you make a lot of money because tax-wise that's also very interesting. But of course, that's in the end, uh, yeah, not the right way. Well, and that's been very clear to me uh, at that time. Yeah. yeah. So um, you realize that uh, ah, after many years, but in time, let's say, because there a was enough bit too time. Late. <laughs> a little Well, it's not. Yeah. What's too late? You, you did eventually do something with it, of course, and yeah. um, you founded Mud Jeans. Yes. Um, let's go back to the start of that and how you built the company. Um, let's maybe start with, okay, what were the, the biggest things you saw in the clothing industry um, yeah. that you wanted to change? And how did kind of mud jeans roll out of those insights? Yeah. Well, first of all, obviously, uh, the way the fashion industry treats it, its people, its workers. That's no, no, no need to explain, I think. And secondly, the polluting uh, part of it. Mm, could you explain this human side a bit more? Do you have an example? Well, if you go to Bangladesh, for instance, and um, you are um, entertained and, and taken to a factory that looks really brilliant and perfect and everything is in order, air conditioning, clean, those factories exist, they are there, and they, they take you there and explain we're going to produce your products here. But if you look deeper into the books and you say, okay, how many 
items can you make a month? They'll go like, okay, 200,000 pieces, for instance. And if you look at the order book, they have 1 million pieces to make that month. Where do the other 800,000 go? Nobody knows, or of course they know. And that's all the subcontracting, and that's where it starts. And the subcontractors subcontract to somebody else. And in the end, uh, you don't know where your products are made. That's a disaster. So you only see the surface when you visit the factory? You, you see the beautiful window, yeah. and, and that's it. That's where it ends. So you have to be careful. You have to be more... You have to go more in-depth into what you ask, and you want to see everything. And you have no time because you're only there for two or three days and you have to place your orders as a buyer. I understand all this. Yeah. But that's not an excuse to to let this happen. No. So, so um, that's the human part of it. Yeah, that. exactly. So treatment of people is one part of it. Yeah. And it's not, not only there. I mean, the, the, what people do not realize is that it's a huge industry. You, if you start from the cotton and you go all the way up to the end to your jeans that are in your closet, there's a mega... Uh, industry behind it. You have to make, you have to pick the cotton, you have to make the yarn, you have to dye, clean the yarn, you have to weave it or knit it. You have to make boxes, plastics, buttons, zippers. I mean, it's it's a lot of work to make to Long make chain. a garment. Yeah, and and consumers don't realize it always. It's been made so cheap now that we, as a consumer, I talk now as a consumer, we we think that a garment has to be cheap, and it's normal, yeah. but it isn't. No. And what about the environmental consequences of yeah, the jeans I'm wearing today? Well, they are toxic. You're, there are cancerized, cancerized uh, chemicals in them. The indigo, for instance, of your jeans is is, is horrific. Uh, I had to learn this also, so yeah. I know a lot about it's it. It's going to be quite eye-opening the, conversation for me. It is, actually. Probably going to uh, change in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the washing of the jeans. Well, it all starts at the cotton again. Cotton is also called the dirty crop. It's sprayed twice a week with pesticides and insecticides. Uh, I think that about 25% of all insecticides are used for the cotton crop. So it's completely out of out of order. And um, well, that's that's the cotton. Then you have the dyeing. Then you have the washing. They use for jeans uh, potassium permanganate, which is also a horrific thing. Uh, sandblasting. All those things are. The people that are in the washing industry don't get older than 45 years. Oh my gosh, okay. Yeah. And there, the, the good thing is there's a lot of uh, alternatives. Everything can be solved. No, not only from us, but in the industry. I, I don't know if you know Kingpins, but it's the biggest industry, jeans industry fair in the world. It's okay. in here in Amsterdam, the Gasfabriek. All the suppliers of jeans are, are getting the big guys, you know, the guys from Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, that make millions of of, of yards of denim every month. Mm -hmm. And they all come with solutions. And, and they're very frustrated because no, no brand wants to buy it. Many big brands in the fashion industry are claiming to be green or conscious. But this couldn't be further from the truth, posing a challenge to the brands that truly are, Bert says. All major jeans companies are still extremely polluting. So how did the story of a truly sustainable jeans brand start. Okay, so you want to start making jeans properly by paying people well, by using non-toxic materials that, that can be done by using organic cotton. But that's easy because it's all there. So that, that wasn't a challenge. So we, we did that and that was within half a year you can buy proper jeans, not a problem. The second thing, and that's really new, I think at that time it was really spectacular, saying we want to recycle all jeans. We want to use... 
the raw material on on a high level in the chain again. So not use all genes to to isolate buildings or things like that. No, really use all genes to make new yarn again. And that's more complicated. So what we did, we found this Spanish company, Chidos, who who is able to to tear apart all genes. And again and again, and make small pieces out of it. And and, and it's called in Dutch verveselen. I don't okay. know the, the English word. Nor do I. <laughs> it's like you make this light blue bulb of cotton again out of old genes. Okay, yeah. yeah. We have to mix it then with new organic cotton. The best we can do today is 40-60. So 40% post-consumer waste, which is important to say. And 60% new cotton. And you can make yarn out of this. So it means that we make genes today out of old genes. And that is spectacular news especially 10 years ago uh, and that's also what made our company special because this is what we wanted so not only making the genes in a proper way and making sure the people are well treated but also be responsible for the product we put into the market and have it coming back to us also so you had eventually the whole production sorted out yeah um where did you start did you just did you open a a store somewhere or did you start selling to your friends like what, no, what happened from that's there? of course the advantage I have, I have a huge network i know where things are made also good things so we, we started with an italian company which i thought was nice because it's in europe and there are laws in europe so it should be okay uh, the fabric we could certify it by gods the global organic textile standard which is is one of the better standards uh, but I found out very soon, within a year, that um, the Italians were cheating. They were subcontracting in Albania. Mm. So every time I went there, I, I, I didn't see much happening. I saw the cutting and the washing, but not the real. Ah. So we, we've changed that. Um, at that time, um, Dion Feigboom came, came to see us and uh, said, you know, I'm working in G-Star now. And I have this great project of recycling genes, but they don't want to do it. And he's, he saw me struggling and saw me starting this small company. So he joined and, and is now a shareholder also. And he came up with all his network of, of this Tunisian factory, which is a beautiful factory, and the Spanish uh, recycler and yarn maker and fabric maker. The production was sorted out and Bert started selling his genes online. When you have a good story, it attracts people. Did Bert want to embark on this whole journey by himself? Or did he want to find co-founders? And is a good story enough? I thought that I had enough money in front of me to 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 be able to start this and, and make it big, which wasn't the case because it's very quickly gone. So the first investments were all my own investments and, and that's... Uh, that's a mistake I made. I, I thought really that I would be able to, to carry this forward and, and make it big again, make it big very quickly. But that wasn't, no, that's that's really a, a mistake. Uh, I needed investors. I needed also people uh, helping me. The good thing is that when you start something like this, uh, you get a lot of attention, especially when we started Lisa Jeans. We're the first, uh, um, because we wanted to have our old jeans back, we said, what if we stay owner of the raw material and ask people to send the jeans back after you? So that was the idea. It was in the times of the sharing economy. Airbnb came up, you know, PRB, uh, those yeah. kind of things. So it was totally nicely in the right time frame, let's say. And I remember I did a talk in Pakhase uh, Zwijg here, very close yeah. by. And uh, at the end, I was very proud of my presentation. And you, you've heard this story because you're laughing. I think so. <laughs> 
but I'm happy you're telling it. Okay, well, this young uh, lady came up and said, uh, uh, Mr. Venson is really nice story, but it can be done much better. I will come work for you. And I said, okay, I can't pay you, so that's not <laughs> an option. Um, and she came back three months later said, I've resigned my job. I, I'm, I'm going to do a social media uh, course in, in uh, Holland, Hyper Island, and uh, I will do my internship with you, and then we'll see. And she, she's one of the shareholders now and pushing the brand forward. She knows how to build brands and, and bring it. So, you know, this kind of things happen when you start something beautiful. Yeah. yeah no, that's why I'm laughing because I think um, I, eventually you probably ran out of money, but because yeah. the, the story is so good. Uh, it does something uh, it to people. They're even story, yes, obvi obviously, sense. even or apparently, even willing to start working with you um, yeah, without getting that, paid. <laughs> that says a lot. <laughs> that's really beautiful, and and of course, that's not the way. Uh, that's not a sustainable way forward. But no. in the beginning, that was that helped, and today we can see because we are a B Corp, one of the higher scoring B Corps in the world. Um, this uh, this is unbelievable how much talent and. Uh, highly motivated, young, intelligent people want to work for this company and push it forward. Without, uh, I mean, I don't need to do anything. They just want this to succeed and put their energy in it, yeah. which is uh, amazing. I think. Yeah. In one of the previous episodes, I also spoke to uh, uh, Guido um, from Moji Moji yeah. Coffee. Um, the sentence I remember from that conversation is. Uh, story proving yeah. instead of storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're on a similar path as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But is that enough? Uh, it was enough for a few years ago. Today, with all the greenwashing around us, uh, we even have to be stronger. But but yeah, we have to back up the promise with the proof. And that's an important thing because all the brands around us are not backing up the promise with the proof. So... Uh, we do that. We we are radical transparent. We want you to know everything about us. Also, the things we still do wrong or can improve. Um, and that's the only way forward. So if you read our newsletters, I, I hope you are not one yet, of the people getting our newsletters. We try to inform, be informative. So you will not receive a newsletter saying a discount or free of charge or, or whatever. No, we will say hey, we found a new way of dyeing and we are saving water because we use a reverse osmosis system now in our factory and he, don't need, he doesn't need to take water again. Or, you know, we try to explain these things. Or, I don't know if you've seen our road to 100. Where we've, we've, put, we've been putting a dot on the horizon yeah, saying absolutely. one day we'll make a pair of jeans out of 100% old jeans, post-consumer waste again. Yeah. Which is a miracle. Then, then Amsterdam would become our cotton supplier yeah. instead of all these fields and, and wrongly grown cotton. Mm. But in a way, you're also relying on, let's say, the goodness of people, right? Because uh, in a way, you kind of expect people to find that so important that 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 they would be buying your jeans. Yeah. Um, apparently, that is working, or uh, you're on your way. You're mm -hmm. uh, selling your jeans in, I believe, thirty countries. Countries yes. now. Yeah. Um, which market is your biggest market? Like, where do you see this story as most traction? Uh, Germany, Switzerland, France. Why there? Um, Why do you think? Maybe people are more conscious of what's happening there, I think. Uh, less miser. Dutch are very miser, of course. It has to be cheap. Yeah. Uh, which is the way it is. No, we, we, we really took off fast in Germany. And Switzerland is one of... Uh, I think it's because 
uh, I like this book of uh, Abdelaziz, you know, Good is the New Cool, where he explains that, that, that good things should be cool. And that's what we are trying to do. We, we actually, the first thing we want to do is make a very cool pair of jeans with a perfect fit and a beautiful washing so that you go, that your first intention is, wow, this really looks good. And I hopefully, then you will realize that, hey, and if I deep dive deeper into this company's yeah. background, they're doing actually right. Uh, that, that, that will be the perfect picture for us. Yeah. And we have to also learn or teach ourselves uh, to, to speak more about these fits. And, 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 uh, and that's hard because then you come into competition with, you have to make better photography, you have to shout out louder, you, have, you need a huge... Yeah, cool costs budget. money. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's the thing we try to do. And and one of the, the things is try to. We have to be transparent. Uh, we have to find ambassadors, people that wear our jeans in public and and talk about it. And so we try to create our own ambassadors. We try to be smart on social media, of course, because that's that's a way to. But also that is getting more and more difficult. Uh, the the internet is really filling exploding. up, exploding. So during COVID, we had a good time actually, which is funny because people were not spending money on traveling and going out for dinner we're staying at home we had time to read what we were saying yeah. so we sold double as much uh, wow. online not many before. companies saying that i think during yeah. covid um Bert, big ambitions of course you're not doing that alone you uh, earlier spoke about the factory in spain that you uh, that you work together with yeah. um we believe in the power of pioneers all across the world working together on um, on the same goal. Mm -hmm. And we have contacted one of your um, local okay. partners. <laughs> Let's have Which a one? listen. Good day, everybody. I am Alberto Guzzetti, the sales manager of uh, Tejidos Royo. Tejidos Royo is a denim fabric mill based in Spain, in the town of Valencia, and we totally produce denim fabric locally. Our mill met mud jeans years ago, and since the first moment, we felt to share the same values, transparency, traceability, and circular economy. Denim has been for many years a contaminating industry, and I'm personally convinced we must leave a better planet to next generation. So when I met a brand as mud jeans with such strong and clear sustainable principle, my motivation to collaborate with them satisfies my wish to give my little effort to reach a better planet. Together with my genes, we can demonstrate it is possible to make business and to be truly sustainable at the same time. Amazing. Um, you can hear a lot of passion in, in him as well, I think. Yes. What, what does it do to you listening to this? Uh, it makes me feel proud because I remember when you first come as a small company and you, you ask them to make 5,000 meters of their difficult material because when you recycle you you have to imagine that it's more irregular there are some more mistakes so the machines have to stop more often so you would think that if we use 40 percent waste that it would be cheaper but it's not and when you ask them to make this first of all secondly to make a small volume again our business is volume driven so we need big quantities and they do that for a reasonable price that that's nice and and also they've seen us grow. And for instance, last year or two years ago, we came with this huge uh, IKEA order. We we had a product together with IKEA. And then for them also, there's interest. All this hard work of the last six years, making small quantities, listening to us uh, crying because some of the material is wrong. You know, it's business. So things go wrong also. 
uh, it's good to see that we we've grown together and we we can now give them serious orders also yeah so it's again there are other people that are um kind of that lights up because of your the goal you have yeah, yeah, yeah. instead they, of maybe the money or the the, the quantities absolutely they want to, to sell this fabric to also to other um, brands yeah but we are the only one buying this yeah so i just heard you say things go wrong of course as well and <laughs> uh, now let's get Everything into that goes. let's get honest uh, Bert today what um looking back uh what would you say were the most difficult moments yeah that's i think for every entrepreneur when you start a company from scratch uh you sort of make a plan and you think about the turnover you will make and the margin you will make and the costs and everything goes wrong. The turnover is not the turnover you imagined. The margins are lower than expected and the costs are much higher than expected. So I thought I was a rich man and I would be able to, to continue this without having a salary and to be able to support myself. But after two or three years, that's gone. And then you are in serious trouble because then you have to start explaining to other people that you've been burning money for three years, uh, that there's no, no light in the end of the tunnel, but still you need more investment to continue. So that's so maybe a lesson for for uh, upcoming entrepreneurs. That's what I always tell them. It's, it's a sad story. But if you, if, you, if you take your business plan and you look at it and you're happy with it and then you have to divide your turnover by two and divide your margin by two and, explode and, and multiply your costs by two, mm-hmm. are you still willing to start? Uh, they ask me for advice and the honest advice is this. And yeah. That's not a good advice, I'm afraid, because... Well, I mean that it's it's partially also financial uh, <coughs> advice yeah. in a way, which is of course an important aspect of mm-hmm. uh, of building a company. Yeah. Um, if you would be standing in front of that audience of younger people, maybe aspiring entrepreneurs as well, mm-hmm. um, you'd give them financial advice, and if they would ask you to uh, give advice on a more personal level. Yeah. Now, of course, you have to do this because it gives you so much joy and and. Uh, and also uh, the young people that in our, our team, so motivated. And, and uh, I am a lucky man to see this every day and uh, be able to to pay their salaries in the end of the month. So what would you say to the young audience? Yeah, go for it. Just do it. Now, my generation has created a, a world which is not livable. And I feel responsible for that. And I've done a lot of things. I've been flying too much and all those things that we can say that. And I'm, I'm not feeling proud of what I leave behind. And I think more people of my generation should do that. But I also see younger people saying, okay, now it's our time. Now we fly to Costa Rica and we have a party, which I understand totally. But things are getting more urgent today, I think. And we have to all realize it. And I'm, I'm willing to help with everything I have. But we also need the help of, of the next generations to, to come up with joining us, finding solutions to do things smarter. You know, the circular economy, I think, is is a fantastic way to do business and to make money. There's nothing wrong with that. But not in a linear way by wasting things and by throwing away things or burning things, but just by by trying to be more smart and, and uh, find solutions. And there are solutions. Everything is solved, actually. We just have to start doing it. There's enough energy coming from the sun. Yeah. So you would say, despite the hurdles, go for it anyway. Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah, we have to. There's no other solution. Yeah, and what's in your personal way of leadership or of of of, of building your company even for further? What's the thing that you struggle with most in the way you 
yeah, are developing or moving forward. I don't see myself as a leader. I just started this thing, and and uh, it's interesting because because people believe in the story and they believe in radical transparency, and they they see that this is the way forward. So that's the only thing I do: just create something that is worthwhile putting your energy in. Actually, that's what I think. But so I wasn't answering your question. Yeah, so. no. Uh, in about the biggest struggle you have personally, that's uh, that's a question I have. But then you said I don't see myself as a leader. No. Uh, so would you say you're willing to then be a leader that stands maybe a bit lower and is willing to carry like the bigger goal, put other people. Give other people uh, uh, servant a leadership. I think they call it right. Uh, uh, give other people uh, a podium or a place to be happy and and work and put your knowledge into something good, which I think is is makes you happy, right? Yeah. Does that go for you also? Absolutely. <laughs> I can uh, I can completely relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I always end the conversation with asking if you would be sitting across from me at this mm -hmm. table in 10 years time what would you want to look back up on what would you be hoping to say i hope that we were or are able to to show the fashion the jeans industry that things can be done differently we are we are existing now 10 years we're still here um, we make a lot of noise and we are like this we are still a very small company in this, in this huge business, but we are they're all looking at us. And that makes me proud, firstly. And secondly, of course, to make really impact, we have to grow. I have to use the dirty word growth. But if we take a bigger part of the cake <coughs> and less dirty genes are sold, then I think growth is allowed within the boundaries of the, the earth. Yeah. And within a shorter time frame, where is your focus the next years? Um, I think... I, I was I've been able to bring this company this far and as a starter and as a founder. But I'm not the one who's capable to to make this a multinational and, and make the brand really big and, and make it cool and make it you know. Uh so I, I would be very happy to step aside and, and give somebody with uh, with um the knowledge and, and also the money uh to to make this a bigger company. You know, there are examples that are really going well, like Fairphone and Dopper and Tony Chocoloni. So we should become the Fairphone or the Tesla of the jeans industry, I think. And I'm, I know that I'm not capable of doing that. So is this an open invitation uh, an to open your invitation. successor? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, thank not? you so much for being my guest. And I wish you all the best of luck. I'm going to follow you. Thank you. Yeah. And wear our jeans, please. That, that helps us the most. If yeah. you wear our jeans, talk about it. Tell your friends that the fit is perfect and that you can bring them back and that you get a 10, 10 euro discount because you're, you're bringing back raw material that we reuse again. Yeah. We're going to have a cup of coffee and speak about that a bit Thank further. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bert. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you'll join us the next episode for another inspiring entrepreneurial journey or maybe even start or continue your own. This podcast is powered by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Netherlands and the Netherlands Enterprise Agency. For more information about how they can help you propel your business forward, please visit rvo.nl.